Blog Talk Radio. Well, hi, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer Speaks Resource website, blog, and radio. And my passion is to educate the world about Alzheimer's disease, memory loss, and dementia. And that came to me through my 30-year journey with my mother and her memory loss. For those of you that are new to the show, I just want to give you a brief introduction to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. Our goal here is to give voice to those afflicted with memory loss and empower them along with their care partners to live purpose-filled lives. We want to raise awareness, give hope, and share the real everyday life stories of living with dementia. Rick Phelps is our channel expert who actually has Alzheimer's disease, and he was diagnosed in June of 2010, and I never know if Rick is going to be able to join us or not. If he is able to, I will definitely pull him into the show. Rick is the founder of Memory People on Facebook, and if you're not familiar with that group, I highly recommend that you check it out. It is a um, closed group on Facebook that connects people that have memory loss, their uh, care partners, both family and professional, and advocates at large. It's, it's really um, a fabulous support group that is connected around the world and will welcome you with open arms. All you have to do is type in memory people in the search box on Facebook, um, click on on memory people, the main one, because they have um, several subgroups, um, and from there you can be invited into the group. So again, highly encourage you to go ahead and do that. On our homepage, if you have any questions in the future, feel free to contact myself or Rick. Or if you're listening today and you want to make a comment, I really encourage you to if you're listening via the computer, you can use your chat box and just type in a question or a comment. Or you can always call in live to the show at 714-364-4757. Again, that number is 714-364-4757. And we would love to take your, your live call and pull you into the show. Today we have an absolutely fabulous guest. Her name is Carrie Lusick, and she is an author. She is a mother, a writer, and a huge Alzheimer's advocate. Um, she has her undergraduate degree in marketing from Rutgers University and an MBA from Stetton University Hall. And after a marketing career and taking some time off to raise her daughters, she began to do some freelance writing. And some of her work has been published in the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Star Ledger, uh, the Mainline Times, Parent Guide News, Parent Express, and TheExaminer.com. As a dedicated Alzheimer's advocate, Carrie ran her first marathon as part of the Alzheimer's Association inaugural 2009 Run to Remember in Philadelphia. The book she has just launched is called Life Lessons from a Baker's Dozen, One Mother, 13 Children, and Their Journey to Peace with Alzheimer's. It's her first published book, and we are so thrilled to have Carrie with us. She is actually donating 10% of the royalties earned through the sales of the book to Alzheimer's Research and Support. Uh, Carrie is also a member of the International Women's Writing Guild, and she lives with her husband and three daughters in the Burbs in Philadelphia. She also just finalized a partnership with the Alzheimer's Association Delaware Valley Chapter 
for a special edition of Life Lessons from a Baker's Dozen. And with this special edition, um, she will be donating 5% of the sales to benefit the Delaware Valley Alzheimer's Association chapter. And so I think that that is just absolutely fantastic. And I believe that covers the Philadelphia area, Delaware, um, and South Jersey. So that uh, that book will be available a little bit later this spring. So with that, I want to welcome Carrie to the show. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm doing great, Lori. Thanks for having me here. It's um, it's an honor, really, to be here, to be on your show with all the wonderful things that you are doing for Alzheimer's. So again, I'm excited to be here and to talk to you today. Well, I'm I'm just thrilled to have you. It's it's always um, fun for me to talk to someone who's been on a similar journey. Um, you know, my mom has had memory problems for 30 years, and you have definitely walked the path. And um, your book is is quite uh, quite an interesting tale. You've got a nice, really nice way of writing a story and keeping keeping people engaged too. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about the book? How did it How did it come to be, and what's it about? Um, sure, thank you. Um, the book came to be in a kind of a, it's a funny story. You know, growing up in a family of thirteen children, it was a you know very lively household, and honestly, there was a lot of funny stories along the way. And as my brothers and sisters got older, we found ourselves you know sitting around the holiday tables, just laughing and reminiscing about all kinds of stories. And you know, the common uh, comment at the end of these discussions was. Someone's got to write this down, and then um, for a while we were saying, oh, mom's got to write this down, and so forth. For many years, it was just a comment, and um, seven years ago, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and, you know, it was it was the start of a very long journey, and a few years back, I would say three years back, we were gathered for the holidays, and that comment was made again. Someone needs to write this down, and something just happened to me. I was like, you know what, I... I am just going to start writing some of these silly stories down. And it just began as that, something on my computer, a collection of um, stories and some lessons and things that my mom taught us all. And um, and that's all it was going to be, just to file my computer. And then I guess it was about two years ago when I was training for the marathon uh, with my sister. You know, you run, all, you run those miles. And I just had this moment of, well, I thought, well, maybe this – Maybe this collection of stories could be something more. So um, I kind of really dedicated a lot more time and focus on it and um, was lucky enough to find a small publisher, Unlimited Publishing, who um, really identified with the story. Uh, My publisher, in fact, has his own Alzheimer's um, experience in his family. He watched his grandmother go through the disease, so he identified with the story. And that's kind of the process of as to how the book came to be. Very uh, interesting. Um, how um, can you can you tell us some of the biggest lessons that you've learned, you know, through this journey um, that you've chosen to share with the world in your book? Um, I mean, there's there's so many, but I think the ones that kind of really, um, uh, I guess. Fit within the journey of Alzheimer's, and one of the one of the most powerful ones is accept the things you cannot change. And this is something that my mother showed me throughout so many parts of my life. And that's also one one thing that's um, kind of unique about the book is that it's not really 
it does show the aspects of Alzheimer's, but it's kind of like a, a journey of mothers and daughters throughout all the different phases of, phases of your life, from a young child to those teenage angst years to coming full circle and being an adult woman, a mother at, like myself, and then um, identifying with my mother through all those different phases. But there is the one key lesson that I think really res- resonates with um, anyone going through Alzheimer's with their family is, and it's a tough one, it's accept the things you cannot change. And I have this chapter, it's actually the um, chapter called um, Say Hello to the Long Goodbye. And in that chapter I kind of talk about how I need to accept my mother's recent diagnosis with Alzheimer's and if this is going on when I'm pregnant with my third child. So it's, a, <laughs> it's an intensely emotional time for me. Um, but that's one of the things that my mom just kind of showed me through my whole life was that when things get difficult, you still need to move forward. Um, I share the fact that when I was 17, my dad got cancer, and he died. And it was very short. It was very painful. But my mother, um, you know, she, she you know, was a strong, resolute mo- woman and just kept moving our family forward um, and, you know, got through acceptance and just kept moving our family forward. And that's one of the things that I thought about in her diagnosis and as her disease has has progressed is that um, there is no cure for Alzheimer's. And it's heartbreaking and and it's it's hard to um, process it all. But once you do get to that acceptance part of the disease, of, or your process of grieving with you, with your loved one, you can embrace it and celebrate the pieces of them that remain and be with them through each part of this disease. The love that you have for them remains. And that's that's one of the things that I want to share in the book. I absolutely love what you say about um, accepting what you can't change because I think I think as a society we fight that all the time, you know, and we we just gravel for um, trying to have control of our lives, trying to have control of others' lives and keeping this picture-perfect world. And, you know, life isn't perfect and it has its bumps and its bruises. And, you know, at some point we're all going to die and we don't get to necessarily choose how that's going to happen or when that's going to happen. But, we try so hard to control things and, and maintain things when nothing in life really stays the same. We we think it does, and it's similar. So being able to get to that point of letting go, do you remember for yourself where you were at when that when that really hit you with your mom's disease of, or maybe you didn't struggle with that. I know I know I really struggled with trying to you know, stay on top of everything and keep things perfect. And and um, then there got to a point where, you know, I can't. I can't do this. It's not healthy. It's not good. Um, I just need to engage and be connected to my mom. That's that's what's important to me. Did you, did you struggle with that yourself? I, I sure did, especially in the beginning, um, you know, when she was diagnosed, uh, I, you know, I felt so many different emotions, you know, um, you know, anger. I mean, I was angry. I mean, my mom, you know, as a proud Catholic, Irish Catholic woman, went to church seven days a week, you know, committed herself to being such a kind, giving woman. And 
honestly, I was angry. I was like, how, why, what, what'd she do to deserve this? And um, how could God let this happen? And, you know, I was in that phase for a while. And then um, at some point you realize that, you know, no one, just like no one deserves to get, you know, stage four cancer, no one deserves to get Alzheimer's. It's kind of one of those things of this is life. And, you know, you don't, you can't control it. You need to, you know, and it took a while. I mean, I cried. I was angry. I, you, you have so many emotions when you're processing this. Um, but, you know, eventually, um, you know, I think it was you know, through just my own sense of faith. And it's like, okay, well, I need to um, accept this and, and, be, and show my mother love and just be there with her along this journey. Um, and so, I, so to give a specific example of, of I think I think it was a long, gradual process. I don't recall being a specific like event. It was very gradual, and there were some days where, you know, I was in um, in in better shape than others. Honestly, when, when you're when you're processing it. Well, and I even that phrase in better shape than others. I mean, it's just so honest because there's some days you deal with it really well, and there's other days you just you're a mess. You know, or I was anyways. I would just call Oh, yeah. But, but I didn't want anyone to see that side of me because I was in control. And oh, <laughs> I had everything handled, you know, and I would go down in my basement and just lose it when no one was home. And I didn't, I, I just, I, I remember a couple of times going down and just screaming at the top of my lungs. And my poor dogs were like, what is going on? And it was like, I didn't want the neighbors to hear. I didn't want anyone to know. I was losing it. I was yeah. really <laughs> devastated by this. And, um, and you know, I'd have my 15 minutes down there of just, like, sobbing hysterically and just, I mean, just shaking and just going, I can't do this. You know, guide me. Help me. Help me be strong. Help me be the person I'm supposed to be, you know. And then it, then it would, like, I would get I would get it out of me and then I could come up and, Wipe my eyes and know no one was going to see my swollen face for a while. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, uh, I could actually truly identify with that because there were times where you know I'd be driving my kids in the car and you know and after having visited my mom for lunch and, and you know just something happened and or I just was just I would be driving and I'd be crying as I was driving or I'd be in the shower and I would just start thinking about what was going on or different. Um, what I knew would be coming as I learned more about the disease, I would think about well, what is going to happen, and and I would cry in the shower, you know, because it's, you know, you have to let it out at some point. And for me, it's like I didn't want, at, you know, I wanted to kind of protect the image of allow my children to kind of not see my mom in a certain way. I especially oh, in the early yeah. phases, I wanted to almost protect them. I didn't want to call this Alzheimer's. I mean, they were very young. Five, three, and one when they when she was diagnosed, and um, so I, you know, I would call it a memory problem. I kept it really simple with them, and then I would, you know, when I, when I needed to, I would again cry in the shower, you know, lose it in the basement when no one was around. But it was, you know, it was a way of of dealing with it too, and allowing those emotions to come out. Now, how did your siblings handle it? I, I know for mine, they really, you know, it, it wasn't talked about much. I had two brothers, an older one and a younger one, and they just, 
you know, chose not to be around um, as much because it was so painful for them. And, you know, I don't know if they if they've ever really broken down. I mean, because uh, I definitely have. Because um, it's not, it, it, it still to this day is something that uh, is so uncomfortable for them to talk about um, that uh, we just don't go there. I mean, and I, I kind of laugh because I speak and I train and I talk to the whole world about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> still, with our family dynamics, it's just not... It's just not something um, they're comfortable with, and I've learned to accept that and let it go. Instead of I used to try to fix it and think that there was a right way to go through this, and I've really come to appreciate there is no right way, there is no wrong way. Everybody has to everybody has to come to peace with this, or my hope is that they will find peace with this, and and I think there's a lot that probably never will. Um, but I think it's because, you know, my belief, and you can tell me what yours is, but, I mean, my belief is is that you have to feel the pain, you have to acknowledge the pain to get to that peaceful place. I don't think you can, I don't think you can get to that peaceful place without acknowledging the loss. I, I 100% agree with you with that, is that you, um, if you don't um, deal with it, then you're either, you know, you stay angry or you might be in denial or, or avoidance and that type of thing. And then, but with my family, I would say, um, yeah, there's 13 of us. But luckily, I would say in the beginning, um, you know, in the early um, stages of this, where before my mom was diagnosed, we were kind of talking about, you know, again being together at, around the holidays. Mom's repeating herself a lot, or you know, mom's you know, she's having a hard time completing her sentences and things like that. And um, for a while, it just was a kind of a simple conversation amongst us, and it was kind of a, and it was kind of it's a vague thing because you know what's there's a little bit of forgetfulness that is normal with the aging process, you know. Or sometimes for me, I can't think of the right word to complete my sentence. Um, so for for a while, it was like, well, is this really a problem or not? And then um, it just became more glaring, you know. It the the repeating herself was just almost like chronic and constant. And so um, when we kind of, my, a few of my sisters and I, we were like, well, we really need to do something. We really think that there's a bigger problem going on here. You know, one or two of my siblings were like, oh, I really don't think so. But, you know, honestly, <laughs> the sheer volume of us, most of us really felt like there is something going on and we need to figure this out. So, um and and to this day, I mean, everyone is fully accepting of what is going on, and is supportive of of her and wanting to be there and, and with her throughout this disease. So um, we're, we're fortunate in that respect. How did it work? You know, did your mom recognize she was having problems? How did you guys come to the diagnosis and? You know, I know for our family it wasn't diagnosed right away. I mean, 30 years ago people, you know, it was blown off to hormones and no big deal, and and it was very frustrating for my mom. But my mom knew she was having problems, and my mom's habits started changing to kind of cover up um, and help her remember. She started writing a lot of notes, and um, she started pulling back from certain things because she didn't want to make a mistake. Um, but she was very conscious of it, and she shared that with my dad and I. Um, but she really didn't share that with anybody else. And looking back, I just I can't imagine how scared she was. 
you know, to, to feel oh. that loss and trying she's trying to protect herself, she's trying to protect her life, her family, everything that she knows by trying to get more organized and trying to do mm-hmm. things I mean that that was really kind of what what it came down to. And um, you know, it just it, it was it was hard to watch, but then I look back and I just admire her strengths for, you know, trying to deal with it because at that time there really wasn't any support from the medical field at all, Um, you know, anyways, from her particular um, doctor, um, you know, it just, it was was blown off, it was just hormones, you're just getting older, this is a phase, and that was really kind of it, and it was so much more than that, needless to say. But how did your was your mom aware of it as it came about? Did she talk about it um, um, as she was? Or well, you know, my mom, um, she's always been a very private person, very independent, very warm and loving, but very private. You know, she, um, so so no, she never really um, said I'm having a problem here. I think what happened was my when it got to the point where we said, you know what, this is a, there's something there has to be something going on here. Um um my sisters and I talked and I actually went to an Alzheimer's support group meeting just because my gut was telling me that there's something going on here and I got the name of a of a good doctor to take her to. So then my one sister Kathy and I we you know, one afternoon we're like, Mom, we need to take you to this doctor, and we're, we love you, and we're just concerned about you. And and she was kind of she she didn't like the idea, and she didn't deny it either. Um, and so that's that's how this process started. But um, and one of the things I write about in my book is that while I'm processing her diagnosis when she's eventually diagnosed, my mother um, never shared with me or anyone. Like, I'm so angry. I think about how I would feel. You know, she never said, I'm so angry. This is so unfair. Why is this happening to me? And so I used to think that she went to church seven days a week. I thought she must be going to church and praying to the Lord and just um, asking him for strength or praying her way through this disease or or her own way of coping with, with, I believe, through prayer because she, Mm -hmm. she never again expressed any of her own feelings about, you know, going to the doctor and getting this diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, um, it's it's just so interesting because everybody's journey is a little bit different in terms of how they, how they get there and, you know, what's going on, you know, with the, right. with the process in and of itself and, and you know who picks up on what in the family and how that's communicated and and there is I mean there is no guidebook to this it would be nice if there was but I'm sorry no no go ahead I you, I think you summed it up there you know every every story is different mm-hmm. you know this is it's a very unique disease in that. Um, you know, once you get this diagnosis, it's not like someone. I, and actually, I, I write about that in my book. My I lost my dad to cancer, and you know, there was chemotherapy and there was radiation and there was and then there was you have just a few months to live. You know, it was very concrete stuff to discuss. And with Alzheimer's, it's like everything 
is almost a shade of gray. They can't tell you what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. There's a whole range of things, <laughs> of possibilities, but it's all to you know to be determined. And um, yeah, which is that, that's so very, which is why um, you just have to kind of take it one step at a time. Well, and even, you know, the stages out there, I get, I get personally really frustrated with the doctors. I mean, I, and I know the stages, you know, people have to talk about, you know, what's to come. But they're not black and white. People, you know, from what I see, and, I, and I've been around this a long time, not just with my mom, but, you know, seeing others as well in my my work and stuff, is that people ebb and flow through this disease <laughs> all the time. You know, my mom is in her end stages. She's been in her end stages for three years now. And, you know, normally she doesn't talk much, and if she does, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It might be a cute phrase or something that she's said all her life that comes out and just brings a smile to your face. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the last two months, she has told my daughter, my daughter um, works as an activities coordinator in uh, assisted living next to the nursing home where my mom is at, and she'll go visit her on her lunch hour. And twice in the last month to two months, my mom has directly looked Danielle in the eye and said, I love you. Oh. And it's like, where does that come from? How well, does that happen? And, and it's just, it's so powerful. And, I mean, you know, she'll text me right away or call me, and she's like, Mom, Grandma just said I love you again. I can't believe it. And, it's, and you know, and we just, we honor those moments now. And we we appreciate them so deeply. And not that you don't when someone normally says it, but it, it just takes it to a whole other level because, you you know, you've been told you're not going to hear that anymore. You're not going to see that anymore. But I think, I really think that when we don't give up on them and know that there's a connection, um, that those moments will pop out. Um, and, and I just can't even imagine how much, how difficult that is for her, um, how much strength that takes, how much concentration to kind of pop through the barrier and just mm-hmm. say, I'm still here and I love you. And yeah, even if it's a two-second thing, it, it happened and you'll never, ever forget it. That, that's so true. Um, in the ebbs and flows or the ups and downs, whatever you want to call it, and we certainly had them with my mom, um, and where you know she's gotten very weak, and then she she's regained her strength, or um, or um, she's it was just a month ago where I went to visit her, and I walked in, and she said, "I love you," and it was you know as you said, it was priceless uh, a priceless gift, and I actually have a chapter in my book called "Savor the Priceless Moments," and. Um, it's when it's a time in my life where I'm coming to visit my mother with my children, and it's um, a, a few years ago in which, you know, she um, was having a real hard time with like, sh- you know, her sh- no short-term memory. Um, she really couldn't re- recall anything in the short term. But we were sitting down watching one of her favorite movies, um, Singing in the Rain, and uh-huh. you know, the the music is just phenomenal, and she was enjoying it and. We just danced and danced around together with my daughters, and you know, I had this moment of like, you know, my mom can't tell me <laughs> what she ate, where she, what she did, but you know, she's telling me all about singing in the rain and these 
um, Gene Kelly's her favorite actor. And, I, you know, Dancing with My Children, this is a moment to savor the joy in yeah. this moment. And, um, you know, and now we're at a later stage. So that, that moment that happened a month ago where she told me she loved me, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I hang on to that. Yeah. And that, that's, um, do you do or did you do um, a lot of, like, I, I always try to, try to have the camera with me or my phone um, just to try to capture a moment. And I do. Me, um, um, each year I make, it's like these funny things with large families, you take on different roles, but I, um, each year I make my mom a holiday calendar I don't, from Snapfish, and it's with all, you know, it's with her, with some of us, with some of the grandkids, so I always try to have a lot of pictures to make this calendar, and I got some really great pictures this year. There's this one where she's just, embracing one of my nephews in such a tender hug and it just it the picture just says love mm-hmm. and um, so I do um, try to take those pictures when I'm with her or when my family's together visiting oh that's neat that's neat because it you know I think so many times people get wrapped up in the loss and they for, they forget to capture the moments that are still there and still to come and so I just really encourage people to, you know, have your phone with you, have a camera with you, and, um, you know, you can't always capture the moments. But even if you are, if you have a mindset of trying to develop the moment, um, to make it happen, to create it, because, you know, they feed off of our energy, um, just yes. like we feed off of theirs. And so if we come in upbeat and bubbly and, you know, we're more likely to get a smile out of them than if we come in crabby and angry or anxious or sad, um, you know, all of that stuff happens. I mean, there's been times when, you know, I've gone to my mom and I'm like, I just need to talk, you know, and I know she can't, she can't um, give me, you know, the advice that she used to and she can't wrap her arms around me and tell me life's going to be okay. And so I just talk and sometimes I cry and, and sometimes I'll look over and there'll just be a tear, you know, coming out of her face. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> she gets this, you know. That, and, you know, the, um, I, yes, I think there's, there is so, you know, no one can tell you what your loved one is feeling or hearing or seeing or noticing. Um, no, one, no one can prove that one way or another. Um and I, I fully believe that, just like you said, your mother heard you or she was with you in that moment. And, yeah. um, you know, sometimes my mom, it's, it's like the hand squeeze back or it's like the way she'll yeah. hug you just tighter. You know, you feel it. And that's that's something I've told my kids is that, you know, grandma can't say um, your name or she, you know, can't speak very clearly. I said, but she could, you know, she, she communicates you to you through like a touch through hugs or or her the way her eyes light up um yeah watching the eyes and the mouth are so i think so important so important because they speak just volumes if we look Mm -hmm. for the message um but sometimes we just get so self-absorbed um in our own loss um that we we lose that ability to connect. And, and once you can pull yourself back, it's amazing what you see that you didn't yeah. see before. You know, when you're just conscious of looking for the simple little pleasures, 
Um, it's it's absolutely um, unbelievable. Well, can you tell us, you know, when did you start writing the book and and why did it start writing? Did you start writing? For me, you know, I, I still haven't finished my book because I feel like I, I, it's a journey that isn't over yet with my mom. But for me, I started writing just because it was healing for me. And you know, how did how did you start in terms of of the process and and when did you really recognize that that this was bigger than you? Um, I I started writing probably a few years back, probably um, probably about three years ago, and um, it was you know at the point where. And it's a very vague timeline, but it was like one of these moments where I was like, I realized my mom, you know, did not know who I was. Like she could not say Mm -hmm. Carrie or, you know, she was losing the ability to kind of connect those pieces. And um, and that was, that's a tough one to process again. It's like different things Mm -hmm. that you process through the different phases of the disease. And um, so that was was a, a key moment, but it also brought me back to, um, all those years in which we said someone's got to write this down, someone's got to write this down, and um, so that's I started doing that. I, I started just writing about all the the funny stories about um, growing up, and but one of the things I wanted to convey throughout these stories is how um, through a lot, all of them, my mom was the common thread in um, you know teaching us so many things about life and and um, core values that define all my brothers and sisters. And, and that's ultimately when I started giving the book more focus, or actually when I reached the point where I want to try to make this into a book, um, I realized that, you know, I wanted it to be a celebration of my mother's life and not just about Alzheimer's, because in my view, Alzheimer's does not define my mother. It's the way she lived for years. It's the way the things that she instilled in me and my brothers and sisters that have shaped us into who we are. Um, that's that, And that's kind of the message of the book, is that Alzheimer's um, doesn't define your loved one. It's 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 the connections and the love you've shared with them through your whole life. I, I love that because I think so many people miss that. And I, and I think that message is even missed a lot of times by the doctors, giving out the message. I was at a... Um, foundation meeting the other day and we were listening to a, a video that came up and one of the one of the people said on the video and it was a um it was a daughter saying, you know, I, I was told, you know, my my mom is gonna slip away and, you know, I'm gonna lose her a you know, bit and piece at a time and her personality is gonna go and, and I don't think their personality leaves at all. Um, it might change, you know, like uh, all of us, but I mean, there is still, I mean, I see my mom's humor all the time come mm-hmm. out, you know, or I can see her crabbiness, you know, <laughs> it hasn't changed, and certain phrases or gestures, but, uh, you know, it was like to to think that that's gone, uh, you know, I, I will highly question that and and really challenge people on, trying to look at that differently because I, I I personally believe that that's there and that's you know that kind of gets into the whole point in terms of um, you know are they a shell of a body or not but if you can connect to that personality it's huge you know it's it, it just puts everything in a different different mindset um, so 
when you, when you started writing your stories, did you share it with with family and friends, or um, did you kind of pull it all together at at one time and say, okay, this is what this is what I've been doing in, in my back hole here? <laughs> you know, how, how did you how how did that come to be? Were you were you kind of um, open about yeah, it? it? It was like a you know like a several. Um, evolutions of of this of of the writing process um you know i think you know i i think early on i shared with my family like yeah i'm going to you know what i am going to start writing these these stories down and and everyone's like oh that's great you know and and then um it was several oh gosh i'm trying to remember the timeline it was probably 6 to 8 months later when i decided to you know the most i ever ran was 5 miles but i was like this this fundraiser this run to remember um, fundraiser as part of the Philadelphia Marathon was announced, and I looked at my sister, and she was a big, you know, a natural runner, and I said maybe we could do this together. And so, you know, in in the course of training for the marathon, that's when I thought, you know, maybe this, if I could run this marathon, maybe this could actually be something more than, than a collection of stories. Maybe it could be a book. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had a neighbor, I have a neighbor, and she was in the process of writing a book. So we started actually just um, meeting once a month, swapping pages, and then, um, you know, and that kind of gave me some structure around the process and getting some feedback. And then when I started sending them, um, trying to find an agent or a publisher, before I did that, I, you know, emailed it out to my family. I'm like, hey, Enjoy, have a good laugh, and um, uh, you know a lot of people they, they thought it was hilarious, and 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 they just um, now that it is a book, um, several of my siblings have said, you know, it's not even though it's my, from my perspective. A few of my sisters have said, oh my gosh, I, that was me. I had the same experience with mom, or um, I could completely, even though I'm eight years older than you, you know, I had something similar happen to me when I was growing up. But I think the most beautiful thing um, one of my sisters said to me, she said, um, what a gift to mom, and then what a gift to, we, there's 33 grandchildren, and mm-hmm. what a gift to all the grandchildren because they, um, a lot of them, you know, have, um, didn't get to grow up with my mom um, and, and sure. know her um, before Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So this story kind of illustrates this dynamo, this amazing independent woman, and shows them, you know, who their grandmother um, was for years and celebrates the fact that this woman of love is is still with all of us. Um, it just yep. takes a different way of connecting with her now. Yeah, my, my daughter was um, the same, you know, my mom actually watched my daughter when mom was having memory loss and Danielle was, you know, before when she was little before kindergarten and stuff. And it was like, oh, do we do we let this happen or don't we? Because we were nervous because we knew mom was slipping. Yet um, I finally came to, you know, grips with it and said she needs Danielle right now. Mom needs this purpose in her life. This was really important. So two nights a week, she um or two days a week she would she would watch Danielle and um you know I remember coming in sometimes thinking gosh you know I don't know who's having more fun coloring my mom or Danielle <laughs> I mean because they were just it was like two little kids playing and I would 
you know, leave the food, and they were and they were fine. You know, they didn't go any place, but they were so engaged. And you know, Danielle didn't really know her grandma any different than that. I mean, she's heard stories and things like that, but she's always just known my mom to be this really connected person with her on a at a level that my mom probably wouldn't have been without this disease. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I find uh, that interesting, too. Excuse me? Uh, no, I didn't say anything. No, oh, I, I was going to yeah. say that um, with my kids, it's been similar, too, is, you know, um, they've, they've um, I'm trying to think about my, my youngest is, is um, almost seven, and so it's like she's, um, my mom was diagnosed, you know, before, right before she was, you know, in the right before she was born, and um, but she's only known like my mom as this very loving, kind grandma, um, and it, it ha- Alzheimer's hasn't been like this life-shattering thing for them. It's something that we talk about and we're comfortable with and we're open about, and so because of the way like I am and my brothers and sisters are. My, the grandchildren can be comfortable and open and connect with my mother still, um, and I think I think you know a lot of people um, need to understand that kids can still connect with their grandparent um, even in all the phases of, of Alzheimer's if the parents are open and honest and and show that loving connection with them. It's like the children will follow that lead. Yeah, and and I, they're so receptive. I mean, when I go into nursing homes, assisted living, I mean, they just perk up around kids and pets. There's just this yes. spark that they get, and it's very important. So when we think about trying to protect everybody, it's like, who are we really protecting here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is life. I, and, I, and I take it back to I'm gonna forget my daughter in um, grade school. The teachers would always say, oh, she's so compassionate. You know, she just, she doesn't see anybody's disabilities at all. And I'm like, well, good, because I hope I taught her that. And so Danielle would always, she would almost gravitate to those having a tough time. And then sometimes it was to her detriment because she was so busy helping them that she wasn't doing what she needed to do all the time. But, I mean, she just didn't see um, you know, somebody in a wheelchair or, I mean, she just didn't see the wheelchair. She just, she didn't see it as a disability. And that's one of the gifts I think children have is they don't see what we see. They see the whole person. And and those little differences don't make any difference. I mean, they really still know how to get to the core of a relationship and is somebody a good or a bad person? Um, and how do they make me feel? Um, it, it's just so simple. And, and as adults, we try to go, well, you know, what could happen? And we get so deep. And, again, we can't control it for the most right. part. Um, but it's it's so healthy. And by pulling people back or trying to protect them, we don't always realize what we're doing to the person with dementia and how abandoned they feel when we pull back. And And that can be just devastating um, to so many. I mean, I see it and I hear it all the time where people lose friends and they lose family because people don't know how to don't know how to interact and they think they're 
they're protecting them where really they're protecting themselves because they don't want to process those emotions. Um, they don't want to, you know, dig a little deeper in terms of, you know, it's it's okay. You know, we can't we can't change this. Hopefully someday with research, you know, it'll be different. But right now the disease is what the disease is, and we have no idea how long it's going to last. You know, um, from a phase to the whole process. I mean, I never in a zillion years thought my mom would still be alive now, and it's been over 30 years. You know, so we better get used to figuring out how to still engage everybody and and how to feel comfortable with that. And I think books like yours um, and discussions like we're having today on the show, you know, hopefully will raise awareness and get people to, to think of things a little bit different. How is your mom doing today? She's, she's you know, when you talked about the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs, um, mm-hmm. she had gotten very weak right before Christmas. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, is this it, you know? And and she is, <laughs> she kind of rebounded. And so she's... Um, she has regained some more of her strength, and so you know, for now, it's like she's she's doing fine. She's God bless her. She's going to be eighty next week, and um, so we're all going to gather and celebrate, you know, her birthday and um, just be with her. And um, so, you know, the one thing that. I tried to convey in my book is that you know um you know different parts of your loved one may slip away in this illness, but I think and you said this before, your mom's core personality remains, and that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I wanted to share my mom you know you know we always call she's the heart of my family, she's the heart and soul of this massive group of people, and mm-hmm. um you know, Alzheimer's cannot change that, and when she sees my children, she lights up and she she wants to um, what I call the, the motherly touch. She still loves to rub my daughter's shoulders, and so that maternal part of her, the thing that you know, the thing that defined her for so many years of her life, it's it's still there. And um, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, that, that's all I was going to say. Is that you know that, that that's kind of the being this, this kind, loving mother, that part of her is still there, and, and it comes out when she's around, um, you know, the grandchildren, and she sees me, it's, you know, that, that tender touch or just the way her eyes light up. It's It shows you that part of her is there. So now, where, where is your mom living now? Um, we've actually been blessed. We've been able to keep her in our home with a live-in caregiver. And, you know, okay. Another benefit of such a large family is that there's many siblings who live nearby um, who can okay. assist and see her and visit. Um, so, and, and how did it work, you know, because it sounds like you hired some staff too. Um, how did that work in terms of family dynamics? Because I know a lot of times families really struggle with, you know, is someone else going to care for them the way we want them to care, you know, for them? Um, or the the money issues, you know, sometimes families can struggle over. How did that process go for, for you and your family? You know, um, you know, we kind of went down the road where when my mom was in the early stages, and I write this in the book, you know, we realized she was living independently, um, 
but she needed, you know, some help. So we had um, we interviewed some home health aid companies and had, you know, found someone that we liked or got a referral from a neighbor who hired from this certain agency. And we had um, some support coming in a few hours during the week to kind of help with meals and kind of just keep an eye on her and making sure everything was okay. And um, and we we kind of um, did that for many years, and um, and then it reached the point where you know the disease was progressing, and we were really worried about her safety, um, and we felt mm-hmm. that live-in care was what was needed, and um, we actually got a referral from a, a, a neighbor a neighbor who's had a who had a live-in caregiver. Um, for her mother, for, actually it was for both of her parents. They had living care for her father who had cancer and her mother who had Alzheimer's. And um, so that's kind of how we went through the process. But along the way, we also were vis- we visited several um, great um, assisted living facilities that have memory care. Um, and I guess at one point we <laughs> we had like a family meeting and we said, okay, there's two different paths here. And early early in the stages of, of the disease, my mom, you know, clearly articulated that she never wanted to leave her home. And mm-hmm. so we kind of have been trying to honor that as long as we can. But we kind of also know um, if we reach a point where we can't keep her in a, in um, her home, we know where a, a very good place where she can be cared for. Okay. Okay. Um, so, can you share with us, you know, in this journey, um, and and how many years has this has this journey been going on for you? Um, if you can tell us time frame, and then also what's been really the hardest for you? And I'm sure there's been several different moments. Yeah. Pick up maybe uh, that two or something to share with us. Yeah, I I would say, um, you know, officially my mom was diagnosed seven years ago, but those, you know, subtle conversations of, like, mom's repeating herself, you know, noticing a couple quirky things, that probably started back nine years ago where it was like, oh, maybe something's really going on. and But it wasn't, like, a very glaring thing that we felt we needed to push to get her to a doctor and have a formal... um, Evaluation and an assessment done, and mm-hmm. um, so that that's kind of like the time frame. And um, I would I would say honestly the hardest part. Um, I think there's, there's a couple things. I would say, for me personally, um, the hardest part was in the beginning when I was trying to process the diagnosis and then trying to, um, I guess, accept the lack of control, you know, like this is, mm-hmm. my mom has this disease and there's no cure. There's really nothing to, you know, officially slow it down or prevent it for any long period of time. And, um, and you know, with all the information that's out there, you can do all this research on what's going to happen in, in later stages. And, you know, it, it was frightening for me, it was scary for me, and, and it just um, created all these emotions where I was just, um, grieving, grieving, and mm-hmm. having to let go of this this incredible woman who was so strong and independent. 
um, and that was kind of like the ver- in the very beginning. But then, you know, as time went by, and you know, I really I think learned to lean on my faith and just say, okay, we need to accept this. And my mom's still with me, even yep. throughout the, the progression of this disease. Um, you know, the, we still have this love and connection, and you know, this disease can't change that. Um, and well, I also, yeah. another hard thing for me is that I, sometimes I, I think about um, what, you know, for my children. I sometimes think, wow, you know, if my mom didn't have this disease, um, she'd, I think about, oh, she'd be sewing their dresses. She'd be doing this, all the things that she did with me. I think about in some ways that they've, to a certain extent, have been cheated. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, I come back to the fact that they see their grandmother as someone who is warm and kind and loving, and that's 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 a blessing. That's 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 a wonderful relationship to have with your grandmother. So I I think I have some um, I kind I sometimes have a hard time with that. I I kind of wish my girls um, could have um, seen my mom. You know, years ago, the way she was. Mm-hmm. Um, but have, you know, have you read your, read your book to your girls, or have they read it? I, I can't remember. Um, their you know, yet. I've read parts of the, parts of the book to them. Um, you know, the 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 prologue, the the introduction of the book, they're all in it. You know, the the introduction uh-huh. of the book is we're driving to Grandma's house and um, we're all in the car together, and you know, so. It, they're they're all they got a kick out of that how they're in the book and in parts of um of the book with with my mom and her diagnosis and the questions they ask um they got a kick out of that cuz they just think it's kind of neat that their names are there and everything um but my fifth grader I t- I told her you know she could read this any time she's skimmed through but hasn't read it but I have several nieces who are you know 7th 8th ninth grade and they've read it, and um, and some of my older nieces too, and they 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 just love it. They just they uh, they have really connected with it, and it's also shown <laughs> shown them something about my my family that they didn't necessarily know about you know the years when their own parent were growing up. Oh, very neat. I do I do want to encourage uh, any listeners if you have any questions, feel free to use the chat box or. Uh, feel free to call in, and you can ask Carrie a question yourself at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. I loved what you said about you know getting to the point of appreciating that you you know you still have your mom even though you had all this loss, um, because I think so many times people lose time kind of going down the rabbit hole and um, feeling so bad about what has happened that they, they lose these critical moments in time that, that can't be recaptured. And, and I think that that's a very important message for people to hear. I also loved what you said about the kids getting a kick out of um, the book, you know, realizing, you know, they're in the book. Um, and in bigger picture, they're part of the story. It just shows how interconnected we all are and, there's no way we can't affect one another. I mean, that's impossible. And so really taking that to heart and appreciating the impact that we can have on one another um, 
in this process, if it's the person with dementia or if it's somebody caring for someone with dementia. Um, we're also interconnected in terms of how we act and react to a situation, um, and we have so much power um, to bring a positive spin and to build relationships, and um, that doesn't that doesn't go away. That never that never has to go away if we don't if we don't want it to. Um, you know, we can still nurture these relationships just like we nurture any other relationship. Um, we just have to assess it a little bit different in terms of what are the needs and how how can I best um, how can I best you know um, participate in this and um, again it's not none of it's rocket scientist um, stuff and I think sometimes we just make it so complicated. Can you tell us um, what are some of the the main messages about Alzheimer's? That that you share in your book, I know you've shared some of them with us, but are there some some others that you would like to um, tell our audience about? Um, I think you know one of the messages or one of the lessons that I learned along this way um, is you know with this disease, um, you keep that the connection with your loved one by being in the moment where they are, and um, I share this incident in which um, I'm going for a walk with my mom and uh, she was having she was in her mind she was seeing her grandpa and mm-hmm. she says he's over there I saw him and, I'm, and I say who and she said my grandpa and you know I you you know the logical part of your brain would say would go that's my mom that's impossible he died or you know think about it and that's the logical part of your brain or but um in this in this incident i just kind of talked i stopped myself of course i kind of was like wow this is really happening um but i stopped myself from getting upset and i smiled at her and i said wow mom you know that must have been really nice and she just had she smiled back and she she said you know it was and and i just held her hand and we went for a walk and so it, it, the point is, is, I wanted to illustrate. You know, you be in the moment where your loved one is, because it, it, yeah, it makes it, a positive experience for her. Um, and well, and, it, and if you can appreciate, even if you don't believe, I mean, I, I believe my mom kind of crosses over. They come to her a lot um, because of conversations that I've overheard and just this this peacefulness. And I mean, she's she's totally. Engaged, and, and you can say she's hallucinating, and you can go down, you can go down that whole rabbit hole of oh my gosh, she's hallucinating. What's going on? We've got to fix this. Blah blah blah. This is impossible. Or you can step back and say, you know, kind of what I say with my memory chip: Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain free? And realize she's comfortable. She's mm-hmm. happy. It doesn't matter. And and when you can get to that place. Then you you gain that peacefulness that you now see in them because you're not fighting it anymore, and it right. really is about getting to that peaceful place of of acceptance. And it doesn't you know it doesn't make any difference if it's right or wrong. You don't have to judge it; just let it be. And you know, there's a lot of talk about let it be and new age, and you can call it whatever you want, but there are some huge, huge gifts 
in terms of getting rid of our our judgment that we you know our society is driven on in terms of categorizing things and being in control of things and just really accepting what's before you and realizing if it's not hurting someone else and it's not hurting them, it really is it worth the battle? And and, yeah. and where's that battle going to get you? You know, it's kind of like arguing with your teenager. You know, like you yeah. get to a point of like, oh, yeah, I just don't have the energy to do this, so I'm letting it pass. <laughs> you know, and we, yeah, you hear... Um, you hear parents all the time talk about picking their battles. And, you know, we have to, I think, apply that in in this case, too, because, you know, they're typically not fighting with us. It's it's us fighting with them. And then they're going to react to our I would 100% agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what you said, Lori, about your check of, like, are they safe, are they comfortable, um, you know that's and, and that's when you're when you're with your loved one that's you know be in their world and as long as you know they're safe and they're comfortable and there's no issue um and, and in that moment that I wrote about in the book where my mom is seeing her grandpa she had joy on her face yeah and um so i just went there with her and sometimes yeah. when i my mom she's looking out the window and she kind of gestures that she sees something and she'll have a smile and I'll just say, oh, you, you see something really nice. And yeah. um, so I just follow her lead. <laughs> well, and it's so nice because, it's you know, now you are, you're sharing these experiences that you wouldn't have had without them. You wouldn't have seen that beauty. You wouldn't have seen that smile. You wouldn't have... You know, if it's if it's there and real, or if it's not, um, again, it doesn't make any difference. But you can join in the joy if you choose to, um, and just let it go. Because, you know, one of the things we fear, I think, most of us as caregivers, is how are they? You know, and we we want to take care of them, and we want life to be good. And so, part of being a good care partner is realizing when it is good. And and cherishing that it is good and really jumping in with both feet and go, you know what, I can do this too. This is this is what the journey is about, making sure that they're comfortable, making sure that they're happy, making sure that they're safe. And all of these things are happening right now. So stop worrying, Lori, you know, and just enjoy that these are really the things that are important and they're taken care of. You know, so you can stop worrying, you can stop trying to control, and you can just enjoy this person that you love, you know, um, to to depths you can't even describe, and just be there. And again, sometimes we're, you know, we get so used to being in control that we can't let go and just let the relationship be. And um, and again, once you get there, as you know, I mean, it's. It, it's the biggest gift you'll ever get in your whole entire life to be able to just be. Um, and it's not... Uh, that's def- definitely something I've learned through this. Yeah. And, and it's not easy um, to always get there because it's it's not something that we are trained or taught as a child. I mean, my God, I would have liked to have learned this way before hitting 50. Let me tell you. <laughs> 
you know, it probably would have made teenagers a lot easier and life in general. Um, but, you know, we are we are taught to be in control. We are taught that others are judging and watching us. And when you can let go of all of that stuff, um, it's huge. It's just, it's such a relief. You know, when you get to the point where you, you don't care, it's it's not about all this outside stuff that you thought was, was important to you um, in a relationship. Um, yeah, it's just kind of kind of amazing. I know we're we're going over time a little bit because I said I'd, I'd only keep you an hour, but there's a couple more questions. Do you still do you have a little bit more time, or do you want oh, me to go sure, ahead and sure. wrap up? Okay, wonderful. Well, I I just I have really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure our audience has too. Even if we haven't gotten questions, um, I always get little notes and stuff afterwards. People talking about it, and I know this is going to be a conversation that is going to be appreciated. I think by many out there. Um, because you're just being so so honest with us, and and I think that that is huge, um, and that your voice is very important to hear. Um, you know, there are a lot of different Alzheimer's books out there. How and why do you think your book is different, and and what will people benefit from from reading your book? Um. I think, you know, I've read a lot of books on Alzheimer's, you know, fact-based books, you know, medical-based books, as well as, you know, the, the, the different stories, personal stories of going through this. And um, the one thing that I, that I think is different about my book is that, you know, yes, it it's, has the story of my mother's Alzheimer's disease, but the bulk of, the bulk of the book is actually about just growing up, and it's about you know, the amazing bond between mothers and daughters throughout the different phases of your life. Um, I've had several people tell me, in, you know, who don't have Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's has not affected their family, um, but they've told me, you know, wow, your mom is so amazing. I want to you know, I teach my kids the same things that your, you know, a few of the things that your mom taught you and your brothers and sisters. Um, or some people have said, I could totally relate to your experiences as a teenager when you're um, not um, getting along with your parents and, and then also you know, showing the full circle of the mother-daughter relationship when I become a mother and I can just fully um, have that immense appreciation for everything my mother did for me and my entire family. Um, so in that respect, I, I would say it's a, it's a broader, more universal story because it isn't mm-hmm. just about my mother's Alzheimer's disease. It's about motherhood and daughters and, and, and raising your kids. And mm-hmm. but, but at the same time, um, I would also say for someone whose life has been affected by Alzheimer's, it kind of sh- personalizes those very um, difficult circumstances you could find yourself in with this disease, you know, you could read about the tips for, um, you know, when you should take your loved one's keys away and stop them from driving. And then there's the reality of how heartbreaking that is when you actually have to do that with your loved one. Or, you know, um, so, you know, I tried to illustrate some of those sensitive things that happen when your loved one has this disease. You know, taking the, the keys away, going and to the lawyer's office and signing over the papers so that your loved one um, has no control over their finances anymore. 
and yep. y- you can read that in a textbook, and then there's like the emotional pain that comes with it when you actually sit there and do it. So those are mm-hmm. some of the kind of things that go along with the disease. Yeah. Now, in the book, too, you also have kind of a resource section. Can you tell people what they can expect to find in that? Um, yes, Lori, thank you. Um, at the end of the book, I, that's the other thing. Is I wanted to kind of also give anyone who's who is dealing with Alzheimer's in their family, I wanted to kind of give them some tools or resources that they could um, go to for finding more information on the disease. So um, at the end of the book, um, there's listings of the Alzheimer's Association tips on getting into a support group. Um, if you you know joining the cause for advocacy, you know everyone has a story. So connect with people who who are dealing with the same things that you are. Um, there's information on the National Institution of Health and the resources and programs that they offer, and a couple other organizations as well. So that's that's in the last part of the book, just as a an addendum so that you know anyone who is dealing with this in their in their family has a nice list of places to go on the web or places to call to kind of get the support or information they need mhm well i um i I can't thank you enough for for writing um the book it it's it's quite fabulous and I just I I absolutely adore the picture at the very end of your mom and Morgan um, oh. in New Jersey. It's just it's so precious of them at the beach. It's just so cute and again it's just all about living life and you know it just it just kind of slaps you in the face if you haven't gotten it through the whole book that it's about relationships and it's about love and that doesn't have to go away with this disease. Um, we may have to learn how to do things a little bit differently um, and, and dig a little deeper, but as we do that, our connections become quite strong and actually um, it, it just happens, you know, um, once you've kind of retrained yourself um, to really pay attention to the person and not so much the disease and um, to not go down that, that rabbit hole of of despair. And, again, there's moments, Lord knows, when we have to go down there because, again, we have to feel those feelings in order to be able to, to pass through them. How do people get your book, Carrie? What is um, the best way? There's a, a few different ways. Um, from my website, uh, carrieluxic.com, I'm actually selling autographed copies from there. Um, it's also available on my publisher's website, Unlimited Publishing, and um, the e-books are available on Amazon.com for iPad and Kindle, as well as PC versions, and um, the book's also on Amazon as well. So there's several different um, venues for getting the book. Um, I've talked to my publisher. We're hoping to probably get it into bookstores um, later in the spring, but for now it's pretty much online is where you can purchase it. And um, okay. I also have a Facebook page that I kind of post news and events about the book, too. Um, like Wonderful. That. Well, that is absolutely fantastic. I, again, I, I thank you so much for um, for being on the show. And I'm, I'm very excited that, you know, you're working with the Delaware chapter 
in terms of that special edition, and I think it's wonderful that you're donating part of your proceeds to the book, um, you know, for the cause there. Uh, is there is there in wrapping up? What's been the biggest surprise to you in terms of of response to the book um, since you've published? Um, I you know I I had I had no expectations when I when I published this book. It's like I really just wanted to celebrate my mother's life and kind of almost make almost make this a gift for my family and my children. And uh-huh. um, the one thing that's been so um, wonderful then to hear is people either telling me when they've seen me um, or if I've gotten emails from people just saying thank you for sharing your story you know what a wonderful tribute to your, to your mother um, and or people have said you know um, on the different reviews on Amazon you know your stories your, your mother is amazing I want to teach my kids some of the same things um, what what wonderful lessons on, on just living um no matter what, what, no matter where you're coming from, just wonderful um, lessons on how to live life to its fullest, and those are just all the different things that my mom kind of instilled in me and my brothers and sisters. Um, so it's that that that's been that's been been really nice because I really <laughs> didn't have a lot. I I, I kind of didn't set any expectations. I was like, I'm just going to do this. Um, I want to share my mother's story. I want to make awareness for Alzheimer's disease. Uh, my mom lived her life uh, when she wasn't, you know, mothering all of us. She was helping out the poor and hungry at our church and all these other organizations, and that was um, that was something she was passionate about, about making a difference in different causes. And I, I believe, like, I'm this is my cause, is that I want to make a difference with this disease. I want people to have more awareness and understand it better so that they can kind of find peace with it with their loved ones because it's you know there's 5.4 million Americans living with Alzheimer's there's 35 million people worldwide so this is not um we're not in this alone <laughs> no one's alone in this is is kind of like the uh, the bottom line here definitely definitely well i i can't imagine um your mother doing anything but just smiling and being so proud of you for your work and um the difference that you're making. So congratulations to you and again thank you so much for for sharing your story and taking the time to to write the book and and really try to be uh really try to make a difference in the world. because um, I think you're gonna have a big impact out there and I wish you all the luck in the world. So um you have a wonderful day. And again thank, thank you, you Lori. so much. And and thanks thanks for having me on the show today. It was wonderful to be here and to talk with you and your listeners. Great, great. Well, in closing, I just want to remind people of um, the shows coming up. We have uh, Derek with Medify is going to be out on the 23rd, and he's got a very interesting company that can really help people out when they're struggling with medical diagnosis. Um, And then on the 27th, I'm going to have two singers and songwriters on that I'm extremely excited about. Brian um, Aslan and um, Eric, um, let's see, DeCero, I think it is, his name is pronounced. And they have the most gorgeous song called I Will Remind You. Um, And we're going to talk about uh, how that song came to be. And then we'll have uh, Dr. Morris on on the 28th talking about clinical trials and biomarkers. What are they? 
Um, and um, in March, we're going to have people talking about um, dementia and those who are intellectually disabled. We're going to talk about adult daycare services. And then we're actually going to have Damkin, um, or Daykin um, Brain Fitness on, and you'll actually be able to win a free copy. So looking forward to um, having you be part of our family again in the future. And if you um, will, please, um, when you're dealing with someone with dementia, again, use your memory chip. Um, remember those three precious little words um, before every interaction. Are they safe? Are they happy? Are they pain-free? Because that's really what matters when we're a care partner is focusing on, on their needs. So thank you all again for listening and have a blessed day. We'll talk soon. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Way Showers who will help your journey go a lot easier.